So, by the way, I hope that your uh, girlfriend is going to be okay. Oh, she's fine now. Yeah, it was just uh, a lot of unknown. Okay. So you called to talk about the the Brahma Viharas. Um, Let's start then with the word Brahma Vihara itself and unpack it from there. Um, the word Vihara actually uh, is typically what they would call a Wat in Sri Lanka. That in fact you could use the word Vihara as uh, the gathering place for the monks uh, way back in, in historical. Uh, in fact, the word Wat that is used in Thailand uh, is used, um, hang on, it's going to be really noisy, the kids are playing, I'm going to close the door. Alright, so, um, the word V or the particle, or the word part V, uh, basically is the word that we would use in uh, English as the word in. Like you can take the word sight and the word in and put them together and form a new word insight. Mm -hmm. Okay, which an insight means to look into something. And that's the Bahara part of the word? Well, that's the V part of the word. Oh, the it has to do with uh, N, and you can actually see uh, that also in the word V, pasana. All right, the yeah. word V means into or in, um, and actually the 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 pasa part is like like passage. So. Uh, 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 in in into the passing of things would be the way that you would look at um, uh, vipassana, um, which is close enough to insight that we don't have an adequate other translation. So we'll we'll be left with insight for the translation of the word vipassana. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So uh, the word hara actually. Uh, is the Indo-European uh, language word that gives us the word heart. You can see it right in there. Uh, and that, uh, in fact, in, in the, uh, I think it's in the Hindi language, that hara actually does mean the heart, the heart of things. So into the heart of things would kind yeah, of be so hara? Well, Mm -hmm. So the into the heart of things or um, what, where your home is, hmm. like where your home is or your heart is also or in, in, that, in that the distinction then is the difference between a home and a house. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is actually then the home or the dwelling place or the very heart of or in the heart uh, of of Brahm or Brahma. And so when we look at it that way, then we can uh, unpack the word Brahm or Brahma because it's got so many different definitions. But in this case, what the definition is, is very, very high quality, very high class. Very high class? 
very high class. That's how we're going to use the word Brahma. Is it As kind of like Brahmin or like? Like the Brahmin class is the highest class. But if we use it in that sense, then we say, oh, it belongs to those people who call themselves Brahmin. So I'm trying to make the distinction of using the word differently, just like also the word Brahma is used for the creator God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in that regard, we're not using it in that quite that context. We're using it in the context of very, very high quality or high class. So like the the highest class place where the high the heart rests? Or? Well, right. This is the highest place for your heart to rest. Or this is the this is the best oh, uh, or the highest quality home. Hmm. Okay. That's how we can understand why they use the word Brahma Vihara. Mm -hmm. Now the Brahma Viharas actually uh, is it's, it's kind of like an, uh, a classification or an educational way of understanding it. But it is not a practice, and it is not um, the, uh, the student's job of practice. Mm -hmm. But rather the Brahma Viharas are the outcome of high-quality practice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is an important distinction because in the West there have been schools and thought of thought developed about things like meta meditation. Yeah, we talked about that in one of our first few things at, or first All few right. sessions. Right. So the uh, it's a misguided position to say or to think of uh, meta. Uh, as um, a practice itself, a meditation practice, mm -hmm. uh, but rather that if you're actually doing the correct practice on the inside of your mind <clears throat> so that you already have the skills developed, then you will naturally have a heart of metta. Yeah, it's not like it's the, the result of your practice. It's like would the, be evident. It's the result of correct practice. Yeah, right? not the other way around. Like in the past, I've explicitly tried to practice like meta meditation, or I guess like you focus on one of those ideals. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of opposite. All right, and you can see how that ultimately comes about in the sense of um, the issue of seclusion. Um, have I told you the story of the log in the bog? No. Okay. Um, there is a, um, a simile that the Buddha tells. In fact, it's in Sutta number 36 in the Majjhima Nikaya. And in this sum uh, simile, uh, he's uh, referencing a fire maker. Nowadays, fire is easy to make. But back in the time of the Buddha, fire was difficult enough to make that there were actually professional fire makers who carried around professional fire making equipment. Uh, and I guess I, they identified themselves somehow so that they were just out in public and people who needed a fire to get started, they'd come to this guy to get it done. It was easier mm -hmm. to go to him to do it than it was to start a fire. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So uh, this fire maker, this professional fire maker, can he go into the swamp, into the bog, where there has been a, uh, a tree like a cypress tree that has fallen into the bog and stayed there for a long time, maybe 20 or 30 years, so that it's completely saturated with the bog. Can the uh, fire maker go and set that log on fire? Sure. How? They'd want to go to the core, probably. Pardon? They'd want to go to the middle that's dry. Oh, but Never it's mind. completely waterlogged. It's completely soaked. Yes, oh, okay. he cannot. He the whole okay. point so, is, is that uh, just like the mind, that is completely saturated in culture, cannot get the spark of the Dhamma to set his mind into the fire of enthusiasm for life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if we take the log out of the bog onto the shore, can we then immediately set the log on fire? No, you'd want to dry it out. No, no, you're exactly right. Right. As long as the log is completely soaked with water, so just getting it out for a little while is not going to do the job. But in fact, over time, with both the sunshine, uh, putting it out in the in the sunlight, uh, in the tropics, you can get a pretty ferocious sun going. And also gravity pulls the water down through the bottom of the log into the ground. Mm-hmm. So after a, a fairly short time, though, then there's enough of the log that's dried out at the surface for the fire maker to go and set that log on fire. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the actual Buddha's analogy of why we do literally need to get away from it all. Mm-hmm. To get away from it all completely so that we begin. And then, in fact, you can also see uh, that when you're really close to or in something, you really can't see the whole thing. Yeah. An example of that is, is that if the scientist himself is in the Petri dish, then he's not going to be able to understand what's happening with that culture very well. The culture in the Petri dish. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, I guess I would hope that I'd be able to, you know, drive uh-huh. the log out anywhere I want. But at some point, there is just some, like, reality involved where it's just very difficult. Or at least... right. Requires right. more luck, or we can take it from one from one part of the bog to the other, thinking that the water is different here. But really, we need to take the log right out of the bog completely. Mm-hmm. And what that would mean, uh, at its best level, would be that we would, and for a while at least, not associate with ordinary people, but only associate with nobles, only associate with dry logs. Mm-hmm rather than those that are in in the bog. So, uh, with this analogy, we can continue the idea uh, by saying that um, if the log stays in the bog, then the uh, fireman cannot set that log afire. It would be the same way as saying that it's very difficult then for that log to set fire to any of the other logs 
if he himself is not even on fire yet. Yeah, I've, I've tried to make fires in the rain. It's hard. All right. So this is where the idea then of metta comes into. It is a wonderful concept to spread joy or to uh, uh, have the feelings of well-being where may all being be, beings be happy if, in fact, we still have people we don't like. Yeah. If we have one enemy in the world, then we do not wish the whole world to be happy. So it's kind of futile. Like, if I remember back to some of the meditations, it would be like, you know, wishing everybody well or like wishing somebody well that you may not particularly like. But if you don't have enough of that, like kindling, then what are you really doing? So, um, well, that kind of what you're getting at. Uh, exactly so. Exactly so. And um, the analogy tends to fail. And in fact, in this regard, the analogy can be turned around um, that uh, until we get some, uh, let us say, foundation for metta, like like a, a log that will burn, uh, then our uh, spreading it is it's futile because it's phony. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're asking for people to have something that you yourself do not yet have. Yeah. When you're spreading metta, you're saying, may all beings be happy. But if we're not happy yet, then what value is that metta? Yeah, I mean, I guess like devil's advocate would say like, yeah, I mean, I guess somebody who is real into metta would not concede that there's not enough wood or like there's not enough kindling to be able to like wish others well. But I, I get what you're saying. And, it does feel and, very fake. Like it has felt uh, fake for me. Like okay. it may if feel he were good. Standing, yeah. Okay. If right. he were standing right here in front of me with a great big smile, I would uh, uh, distract him with my left hand. And then I would wham! I'd slap him hard in the face and say, now where's your meta? <laughs> yeah. But that's just another analogy. I'm not going to slap him. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, it's not going to be authentic. Like, uh, it's not going to. Mm -hmm. It'll be like a. It'll be coming from yourself. Like, it'll be like a fabrication. It'll be like a pale comparison of like the real thing, probably, at the very least. Well, when we sit there, um, I have seen it in many, many different places, and I have seen it actually in the sense that um, one group of people will have students who have gone to other places to do retreats, and they bring this meta thing with them. Normally, uh, that I've seen, it's done in the afternoon uh, or <clears throat> early evening around 6 o'clock. Sometimes it's before uh, tea and sometimes it's after tea. Uh, but the, uh, the idea uh, would be that if the student had been practicing correctly all day long so that he was filled with joy by the end of the day, uh, 
then introduction of Meta would have some value. Yeah. Because he's in a state of, wow, this is so great. I wish everybody would feel this good. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier. But unfortunately, many students are uh, um, having trouble, especially in the beginning part of the uh, of retreat, of settling in, uh, of figuring out what the right practice is. And also, um, <clears throat> in the retreat setting, uh, they all the retreats that I know of have one thing in common. And that is, is that they deprive everyone of everything. In the yeah, sense of theme. no books, no cell phones, no laptops, no uh, 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 pen and paper passing notes and all of that kind of stuff. And they tend to think that noble silence is actually strict silence. And yet we use the concept of noble silence without really understanding what that means. So the average person who comes in and hears the word noble silence, they think it means strict silence. And that there's a rule about it. To where if the one's mind is noble, he's not going to be strictly silent. Any, uh, unless it's a rule for him to be silent. He, he, he will smile and engage and, and laugh and, in fact, spread metta without saying anything. Sure. But when we think of noble silence in the retreats as a strict silence, that means no engagement at all with anyone. And that's probably a pretty good idea because the people who are there in the meditation retreat are generally not noble. Yeah, they wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like anything, if they were saying stuff or like, you know, laughing and talking with each other, it wouldn't be noble silence at that point. It'd just be like, mm -hmm. you know, noise like you're but back. You can home. have an noble engagement and, and it's complete silence. Generally, the reason why they want the students to be silent is because they don't want the students to go off having uh, collective pity parties. <laughs> oh, really? Just like talking yeah. about how hard it is? Right. They talk each other out of into leaving the retreat. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it happens. And it generally happens between uh, sexual partners. Oh, geez. Sexual partners will are by and large the ones who leave the retreats. Oh, if they go together. Because they come into together and they secretly communicate with each other that they're both in they're both miserable. Let's take a hike. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I've seen it over and over and over yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've seen warnings that are like, don't come with your... a retreat early individually. They always leave in groups. Oh, no. Yeah, by so two by two. Or so three the or silence four. helps get rid of that a little bit. Well, if the student will instead come and do his complaining to a skilled volunteer, then the uh -oh. skilled volunteer can take care of things a whole lot better than just another person in the, in the retreat. Who, by the way, just last night practiced metta also on the other side of the meditation hall that you did. Yeah. 
Yeah, so where is their metta now when they're walking out of the retreat? <laughs> yeah, good point. It's kind of, yeah, it goes back to like, if you're practicing right, the, then your heart will be in the right place. But mm -hmm. like those people that are leaving, you know, they're in a bad mind state. If they sat down, if they're before leaving, if they sat down and tried to do meta, like there wouldn't be any like kindling or mm -hmm. um, anything to be able to spread around. No joy. Now, so um, there is, in fact, a sutta where this is actually discussed. And so I uh, now that I have set the stage with it, um, the sutta itself, I forgot where it was. I've seen it recently. I'll send you a link to it. Um, post a link for it. It's, um, it's a sutta where the monks go out and uh, on their way to Bindabad, it's a little, still a little bit early and they have time. And so they go and they talk to another group uh, who were hanging out. Uh, they're out in the woods and the, uh, they have polite communication, polite chatter, uh, what you would call an introductory ritual. And after that, then, uh, these mendicants, these monks say to the, uh, to the followers of the Buddha there that, um, your teacher Gautama teaches the same things that we do in the sense of metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, but they do mention it with a mind that is free from hindrances, free from obstruction, so that they can actually um, practice. An example of, of that being a hindrance is, is back to the meditation retreat, the student is sitting and he's saying, may all beings be happy, may all beings be happy. And he starts to rip and then uh, uh, recollect and, and uh, remember members of his family. And then he remembers Uncle Billy. And then it's may all beings be happy, but not Uncle Billy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why? Because now Uncle Billy has come up to be a hindrance in the mind. But that's basically the big issue with the metta meditations is, is that it has to be practiced with a mind free from hindrances. Yeah. Yeah. Can't not be done. I mean, it, it makes a lot of, I mean, it makes sense. Okay. So if you're spending 10 days in a retreat to learn how to free the mind of hindrances and not very successful at it, then guess how successful any meditations on, on uh, metta, et cetera, are going to be. Not very. Yeah. I mean, because so is it worth practicing like in a like retreat context or something like that? Where like you do have the time and you're able to, you know, have the where no, like, like I'm getting around to saying that meta itself, while it is very useful to know all about it, the skills to do meta are not the skills of that you would develop by doing a metta practice. The skills you need to do with metta are the skills that we practice in meditation with Anapanasati. Okay, so it's, yeah, you wouldn't do it to cultivate the skills, but like there may be like a good reason to do it, investigate it once you already have the skills in place. 
or it may, in fact, uh, guide one into uh, beginning to change your world reference. So that's one of the things that Meta can have. If we introduce Meta uh, and the concepts and the values of it to ordinary people, they will begin to have the uh, idea, like with propaganda, um, that it begins to sink in over a long period of time that it is better off for me to be friends with people rather than enemies with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would eventually sink in, but wouldn't that almost be like a kind of a form of delusion? If you Ed, don't... It's it starts out that way. All propaganda is a delusion. The question is, are people going to believe it enough to take action? Yeah, I mean, so World I guess War like if you II was started with propaganda, but World War Two was not itself a delusion. It was started with delusional thinking. So there's reality backing it. It's just uh, that like, okay. yeah, you, it could seep it in over time. Like you could recognize that these are like qualities of like the um with the high class or like the high class like home of the heart um, so in that way you could start off and saying it does have a value because the ordinary person the low class mental person uh hears and starts to practice anapanasat excuse me metta with a mind that is as free from hindrances as he can then it will be like propaganda and it's delusional, but it begins to sink in. And even if he is delusional about the Met, if he starts treating people better, that's different or better than the propaganda of uh, uh, they did us wrong. Yeah. And look, and look, over time, I guess you could observe the benefits and understand mm -hmm. the trueness of it. Is that, is that kind of, is that, would that be true? Like, you know, even though it is propaganda, like you're saying that, like, if you act in a way, like in accordance with that, you'd be, see the benefits and then it would be like real it'd go from propaganda to like fact. Uh, or, yes, uh, it, it kind of sinks in. And it especially is a value to sink in as we're developing the mind that's noble so that when we do have. Uh, the skills will know how to apply them correctly by understanding. Um, okay, so we can say it this way before we're in the bog, mm. and then we are the world, then we leave the world, we get the mind straightened out, we drive the log out, we set it afire, and now, uh, maybe it's uh, uh, you know, that. They found uh, that the easiest way to dig a dugout canoe is with fire. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, you burn the log out. You don't sit there and whack and whack and whack and whack. You roast your dinner over it. Yeah, and, and then it, you like and you, make a and crater. You set the and... fire so that it will uh, become like a dugout canoe. Yeah. And so that dugout canoe that still has a fire in it now can go back into the bog without getting sunk again. That mm -hmm. in fact, what he happens with every one of us is, is that we come out for a while, we get a little bit of drying out, 
We go back into the bog and we get all wet again. Then we come back out. That in fact that would be what would be really considered a um, uh, an ordinary daily meditation for someone. The recommendation is, well, why don't you practice an hour a day? Actually, this comes from Gawanka. Uh, that was uh, one of the early things. And so that's kind of gotten stuck and shared around that after you do a retreat, you should practice metta or practice noting or practice anapanasati for an hour a day. And that I always I always mention it. Oh, okay. So you're free from hindrances for one hour a day, and you're completely clouded and diluted in hindrances for 23 hours a day. Hmm. And the and the hindrances were already a deeply ingrained habit. So, which one's going to win? 23 yeah, hours of hindrances or one hour's practice of uh, um, anapanasati? Yeah, definitely the hindrances. <laughs> Okay, so that's exactly the same way as spending an hour on the beach and 23 hours in the bog. That log is not going to get emptied out, uh, empty of its uh, boggy uh, water um, so easily. This is part of the reason for the the idea of the 10-day retreats, but generally... It's always been the case that anybody who wanted to at any time they wanted to and is willing to fit in can come and hang out with the monks who have already come to hang out with other monks all the way back to the time of the Buddha. Mm. That's basically what we could say is the Brahma Bihara is the proper way of hanging out. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, uh, the way that the nobles hang out, if you come and hang out the way that the nobles hang out and spend your time that way, then that old cultural stuff from our childhood and the past and all of the old stuff that's been uh, coming from our the culture or the bog begins to slowly drain away. Mm. And so we could say that it has then... Um, the real value of the Dhamma would be for someone to go hang out in the what? Be able to. Just to, well, everyone that I know of, uh, especially in the United States, there are, there are more than 300 watts in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And yet when people think about, oh, I want to learn something about Buddhism, what do they do? They read a book. Yeah, they don't go hang out. They don't get they don't get hang out, or if they do, they go to an expensive uh, 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 business oriented retreat, such as uh, Berry Center or Spirit Rock or many of the other places. Uh, but there are centers who do donation only. Hmm. But generally, those donation only places uh, still run a formalized retreat setting that the real value would be to go and uh, volunteer and just hang out. Yeah, and visit and talk and, yeah, just be with people, like I think you mentioned earlier, like be with the dry logs. (laughs) Yeah, go hang out with the dry logs. That's the best place to go. Um, Maybe they can soak up some of my water. Well, hopefully or may, not. Maybe <laughs> they won't give you any shade. 
Yeah. Which means that out there in the sunlight and the stark reality of things, things begin to melt away and evaporate. So that continuing the analogy that way. But in the bog, you're going to get lots of shade. That's true. Which means you don't get so much evaporation. So we could, uh, yeah, so from the Vaharas, that's how I would want to interact with the people at the Watt. Um, mm -hmm. And by like, and by interacting with them at the Watt and them interacting with Meta towards you at the Watt, you begin to get into that habit or into that flow or into that normal mentality so that now you can go to the marketplace and deal with people that don't have that noble. Yeah, it's like a normal or like that's it's like. Um, yeah, an environment like I guess without the without the all the like restrictions or not restrictions, but like all the ways society has molded everybody, or like uh -huh. um, yeah, it's like kind of the absence of. There is interests. a passage. There's a quote of Jesus that fits perfectly with this. In fact, this is one of the uh, many very noble things that comes out of uh, the four gospels put this is put into Jesus mouth to be in the world but not of the world mm -hmm. okay that you can go back into the canoe once you're a dry dugout canoe properly sealed up and everything but if you go back as just an ordinary log you're going to get completely saturated again and then you're going to be not in the world but also in the world in the world Rather than in, uh, you can become, you can go into the world, but not become part of it. Mm -hmm. So, the way then that we would deal with the world and not be of the world would be by dealing with the world in the state of we're not in the world, we're in the Brahma Viharas. We're, okay. not in, we're not in the dirt Vihara or in the low class Vihara. So, I, I guess like going back to the log thing. Is someone like who, or like personally, like I, you know, I don't go to Watts or anything like that. Like, I, you know, I'm kind of stuck in the swamp um, in that story. Um, would it be a, appropriate for me to like interact with people at a Watt who are like, I guess, dried out? <laughs> like, I mean, um, I'm sure they have enough like goodwill to go around, but. Um, okay. Like I, I just, I'm just kind of like asking, like if I'm not expressing like the Brahma Viharas, like is it still I tell okay? You what, let's let's finish that question up. Let me finish the stuff about the sutta. I wanted to oh, finish sure. that yeah. off for you, and then we'll go to the Wat. Yeah. All right, we'll go, we'll go home. But first, we want to talk about this sutta. So they they expressed it that way. Um, in the sense that we practice the same thing as you do, uh, the Brahma Viharas, with the mind that is free from the hindrances. Uh, <clears throat> Buddha's uh, Dhamma dudes didn't answer that, but they uh, picked it up uh, and took it to the Buddha and repeated what uh, this other group had said about that they practice metta and Karuna and Mudita and Opeka. 
And the Buddha, and this is what the Buddha said to them about um, they 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 don't know what is the apex of the uh, of the Brahma Viharas, and they don't know the end of it. They only know that it's a good idea. Now. Oh, okay. What what the apex of is the kind of state of mind that one can go into with the Brahma Viharas, and um, that the state that my that one's mind can go into with the Brahma Viharas is the same very state that one can go in with the practice of Anapanasati, and that is. Uh, 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 the, the state of mind where everything becomes empty. Mm. That's the state of upeka. Is upeka is when everything becomes empty. Um, but that um, the the apex, the point that the Buddha is making, and he uses this. He talks about it, and in fact, oh, I remember now. This is in the Samyutta Nikaya. In the in group number forty six, because it's not in a section of metta, it's in this in a section of the seven factors of enlightenment, the sambojana. That mm. in fact, what the Buddha is saying is, is that one must develop the sambojana in order to be very good at practicing the Brahma Viharas. Okay. Okay, <clears throat> so let's look at the uh, the Sambhujana. The Sambhujana is, in fact, the steps on the Eightfold Noble Path, but they are at the step of completion. So you have Sati, except, and this is number one on the list, but this Sati becomes unremitting Sati, not just practiced an hour a day, but all throughout the day. We want to remember to wake up, to remember to wake up, to remember right now to bring my log out of the bog, to come out of the world right now, to come out of that right now, to remember, to remember over and over and over again throughout the day. Because, uh, and an easy way to say it is the habit pattern is, is that the beach is uphill, and if you're not careful, the log will roll downhill right back into the bog. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have to keep dragging the, the, the mind or dragging the log back out of the bog and putting it back up on the beach over and over and over again. This is sati, 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 to remember, to remember over and over again until it becomes unremitting. Hmm. Now, what we mean by unremitting is not constant. In other words, if you have the log on the beach, then you won't have to constantly keep rolling it uphill. That's when it falls back in the bog. You just have to have make to sure that if it falls into the bog, that you can roll it back out of the bog onto the hill. And also, it's quite possible for the log to roll back into the bog and we don't notice it. We don't remember. Mm -hmm. So if we have unremitting mindfulness, that means that we can... Every time that we catch that log in the bog, we take the right effort to roll it back up out of the bog onto the shores so that it can dry out again. Yeah. 
The next one then is in fact right effort. When right effort, uh, or uh, by the way, uh, the second one, let's do that one first. The second one then is right investigation. To remember to look at the bog to see if the log is there. Then the log you investigate, you say, hey, the log's in the bog. <laughs> what do we do now? We have right effort mm -hmm. to bring the log back out of the bog, except for this point. And that is, is that once we start rolling it out of the bog over and over and over and over and over again with right effort, it becomes really easy to bring the log out of the bog. Once you gain the skill of right effort, it's really easy peasy to do it. Mm -hmm. Almost energetic. And so this is, um, we can say, unremitting energy is is replacing right effort. All right. Un, unremitting energy is replacing right unremitting effort. Unremitting energy is the third aspect of... Because you have that constant remembrance to pull the right. log out. The constant remember to put the clean, uh, to investigate the mind and take mm -hmm. the right effort to clean it out. Okay. Okay, these are three path factors. All right. Mm -hmm. Now the fourth plaque... Or I counted uh, two there. Sorry, I counted two... In that, what, like, sorry, unremitting Saudi um, energy, or sorry, you said like unremitting energy or like exuberance. I'm sorry, what was yes. the, what was enthusiasm. the third Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. So like you're uplifted by the act of pulling the log out. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that was too, we actually was enjoy one? pulling that log out because we know how dangerous it is to leave the log in the bog. So <laughs> we're quite happy to pull it out. We're enthusiastic about keep pulling it out. Yeah, because it's better to not be in the bog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, sorry, I just missed the third one there. Um, well, that's right effort, which becomes energetic, is the third okay. one. Unremitting energy. Okay, yeah, unremitting energy. Then there was unremitting sati. Unremitting sati and unremitting investigation. Oh, unremitting, okay, sorry, thank you. Gotcha. Right. To look the pack, you have to look to see that the log is in the bog, and we recognize we can see that it, we in, investigate enough to see the log is in the bog. We remember to look, we see it, there it is. Investigate. Ah, the log's in the bog. Out it comes. <laughs> yeah. All right. But this is <clears throat> this is after <clears throat> this is after the practice is done. After the skills are developed. The residual skill of the development of the skill of sati, the residual is, is that it's unremitting. It comes up when you need it. Anytime you need it, there it is. Mm. It pops up whenever you need it. Uh, whenever sati arises, you, you can take a quick look to see, is the log in the bog or is it on the shore? Is this dangerous? Etc. Um, and in this regard, you could say that the log can roll into a lot of different kinds of bogs or a lot of different places. And so that's the investigation is to is is this place that the mind is in now? Is it worth being in? And probably the answer is no. We can get into something better. Yeah, you're like dexterous enough to like navigate the different bogs like you. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's the, the skill of investigation is to recognize a bog as a bog. So 
or to recognize the danger. This is, again, the first noble truth, to recognize that it's dangerous to leave the mind in culture. The next one is quite interesting. The way that it's expressed in the suttas is in uh, the using the Pali word pity, which means rapture, but that's often confusing without people making the proper connections. That this is, in fact, the fourth item of the Eightfold Noble Path in the sense of right attitude. What is your right attitude? Attitude of being overjoyed. Mm-hmm. The right attitude of piti sukha. This is one's attitude. And in fact, piti arises with, with winners. So when someone has, uh, let us say, um, won a contest, whatever contest, it could be chess, it could be bowling, it could be football, whatever, uh, team sport or individual. Whenever we win, how do we feel? Um, when we win, how do we feel? I guess it would be like that we've reached our destination. That, that how we, do we feel? That, that's a concept. How do you feel? You feel I mean, good. I mean, all I right. Like, okay. Stay with that. Okay. If you uh, are in that same contest and you lose, how do you feel? Not good, bad. <laughs> You'd feel bad. All right, okay. So you can see how that the attitude of the winner is directly wrapped up with the feelings. So if we have the, the, the right noble attitude, which the Buddha referred to himself as the lion, the lion's attitude, okay, strong, that is also the attitude of a winner. And it also comes along with the feelings of the elation of winning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the analogy, I've got two analogies. One is spiking the football at a touchdown. And um, the other one is at New Year's at Times Square, the ball drops down five, four, three, two, one, and then... What happens when the ball drops to zero? Everybody throws their hands in the air and they scream and they shout and people will play noisemakers, ooga horns and all kinds of stuff. This is the celebration. That's the rapture that they're talking about. That is pity. Pity is a celebration. Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't used that word before, but I might start using it now to get people to understand. Okay, because that's celebration. It's that like lion or like winner's attitude. The winner's attitude. When you win, you celebrate. Mm -hmm. Okay, with a chess game. When you win that that chess game, you might not get up. You might not throw your hands in the air, but (sighs) checkmate. So we have (laughs) like that's a celebration checkmate so like an unremitting celebration or like a constant unremitting attitude of celebration and that means we're constantly coming back to it not necessarily that we're like constantly and like not constantly but you keep coming back to it being in the state of celebration you keep coming back to the point of uh, Mm -hmm. it's over celebrate 
<sighs> that in-breath is, in fact, the pity, and then the out-breath is the sukha. You can see that. <sighs> and that's also a very energizing breath. So that's the kind of breathing that we would want to use in Anapanasati as a, as a celebration that you can breathe. So the celebration is the in-breath? Yeah, you can have a celebration. I mean, if you don't think that you're going to celebrate on a breath, then you hold your breath for five minutes, and I'm going to time you starting now. Hold your breath. <laughs> you didn't. I saw oh, that. I already lost. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. It's, it's not important. I was just like, I have it the opposite way when I practice. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Forget about this thing that's happening that is so profoundly important. And when we recognize the importance of this next breath, then you can take it with celebration. You're still alive. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Get like we did it. Of that. Isn't that marvelous? So we want to cultivate to the point that it comes up anytime you want to, this feeling of celebration, this feeling of rapture, this feeling of pity and sukha. Mm. This is right attitude, the right attitude that this is all a celebration. Yeah. And that is so hard to teach. It is. It's so hard to teach the students that you got to get yourself into an attitude of in, being in celebration. You can't practice the Brahma Viharas from a loser's position. That's true. Yeah, like if you're a loser, then like, are you really want to gonna wish other people like mm -hmm. goodwill or like hope that they win? Um, it'd be harder. Yeah, you don't want to hope that they can win if you're not a winner. Yeah, if you're losing, if you feel like you're losing, then yeah, it'd be harder. Right. That if you, in fact, in sports, if you follow a sports team, you want that guy to win because you already identified when he wins, I win. Mm -hmm. when, when his team wins, I feel good. I celebrate because he won. Why? Because I'm making that connection or I'm identifying with him or he, I have placed myself into him. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when he wins, I win. But if I go out on the court on one-to-one -one with him on, and he's got the basketball and he's such an expert at it and he's going to make all of the uh, baskets and I'm not going to make any of them, then how can I celebrate him when I'm losing? Yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly. You're not going to have the, <laughs> the inner qualities to be able when to... When he's winning against me and I'm losing against him, how can I congratulate him that yeah. takes noble mind, doesn't it? Yeah, because otherwise you're just kind of like hoping that you lose, <laughs> or I don't know. Yeah, yeah you straight. really you want to say congratulations. I'm glad you won. When in fact you really wanted them to lose. So yeah, you it'd be you'd rather be in a position where like you are winning, and then you're also mm -hmm. like congratulating other people for winning. Right. So when you develop the attitude of a winner, when you develop the attitude of celebration then you can lose the game, the one-on-one -on -one basketball game with him, but you haven't lost anything. Yeah. You are not the game. Yeah, you, you don't know have that. A, You're exactly, still celebrating. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, like you already have, you're already fulfilled. Like mm, you're exactly so. Your like worth or whatever isn't like defined by you know winning the game. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're able to celebrate in other people's victories in that way. Now the next item on the list of uh, the uh, Sambo John is the last step of uh, Meta. That in fact, let's go back and put this together now with these things that this one point that we're talking about, this celebration means now with our also our ability to investigate things, the investigation then that we do is also the investigation to see other people's states of mind. Are they mm -hmm. winners or are they losers? This is compassion. And compassion we don't want to jump into. Let us say that someone is drowning in the bog. It's not a good idea for me to go jump in the bog with them if I can't swim. Yeah. Well, that's what compassion is. Compassion is jumping in somebody else's bog and you can't swim. You need a lifeguard. Not some compassionate old lady. Yeah, I mean, it would be a bad idea to get yourself involved in someone else's, like, troubles if you can't then be have the qualities if, to pull yourself you, out. Uh-huh, if you cannot maintain, if you cannot maintain your pity, if you cannot maintain your celebration while you're in that bog, then you should not be going into the, someone else's problem. You should be able to be in uh their world but not of that world that's real compassion yeah that's something i've never thought of i always thought compassionate i mean it makes a lot of sense but yeah i always thought compassion is like you're say, in their suffering they, you're like you're in uh -huh. their world when they say i feel sorry for you that's compassion mm -hmm. you feel bad and i recognize you feel bad and so i feel bad too mm -hmm. that's compassion that's not karuna Karuna is recognizing their suffering, but you're not going to suffer. You're not going to buy it. You're not going to take part of it. Okay, so Karuna in like the from Vaharas would mean like take part in their suffering, but you're not going to be. Oh, sorry, you're not going to take part. You're, of not, that. you're not going to take part of that suffering. You're not going to jump into the bog with them unless you've got the absolute skills to pull them out. Yeah, and that yeah, and possibly the easiest way to do that is throw them a lifeline. Let the, and let, and and pull them out of the bog that way. Yeah, but it's important to not, not <laughs> you yourself, you know, take on their mm, suffering. Exactly so. Now, with this feeling of celebration, this is where the word mudita comes in. Sympathetic vibration. Okay, uh, the, the idea of sympathetic vibration comes from our, in, it's instinctual. But in fact, that's the same thing as compassion. You could also actually see compassion and um, uh, sympathetic joy or uh, mudita and karuna as opposites of one another. Oh, yeah. Um, generally, what happens is, is that a sympathetic vibration, if someone else feels bad, we feel bad. If they get angry, we get angry. 
It's just so natural. Mm-hmm. And they will work very hard to get you to be angry. That's also very natural. So if I'm angry at the bank and I tell you about it, I'm going to tell you in such a way that I intend for you to be angry at the bank also. Yeah. And if you don't, I'll get pissed off at you if you don't get angry with me. Why? Because I already deep in my heart know that I feel wrongly, that it should not be anger that I feel. But I feel it anyway, and so now I want it to be justified. So if I can get you to be angry, now that that justifies my anger. In other words, misery loves company. Yeah, like when I'm complaining about work to someone, I want them to feel my... Exactly so. If you're complaining about your job, you want them to hear it so that they see that you're right and you have every reason to feel bad about it. Dang, that's kind of cruel now that I think about it. <laughs> okay. The, the example that I first learned with this through TA was the issue of a bar. That when, one of the, when, when you've got a bar fly that's sitting there at the bar, and he's not really sure whether he ought to be drinking or not. And a new customer comes into the bar. The first thing that barfly is going to do is invite this guy to have a drink. Come be one of us. Come join our bad behavior and approve of our bad behavior because we don't want to hear none of your disapproval. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you don't want somebody moralizing. <laughs> While you're trying to have a good time or something. All right. So that that but that goes everywhere, including the barfly goes and says that he's um, now he's at work and he's doing his barfly number at work by complaining about how bad the boss treated him today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing exactly. This is sympathetic vibration, but it works with every feeling. If I feel sad, you feel sad. If you feel angry, I feel angry. If I feel afraid, you feel afraid. This is what politics is all about. Mm-hmm. Is I want you to feel the way that I feel so that you'll vote for me. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it seems like how people kind of operate, like myself included. I mean, Start to watch for this. Yeah. This is the waking up. To begin to begin to see that you have options to deal with this stuff in a at an, in a noble way, rather than in the ordinary way. So mudita really comes into play here in the sense of now that you've got unremitting celebration, you've got unremitting joy, you've got unremitting pity. That means now you can spread that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that whenever you go around other people, when they when you leave, they're in a better mood than they were when you came. Yeah, because they're able to like celebrate with you. They will uh, celebrate you're able to throw with them you. Throw them a lifeline. Exactly. Exactly. So. Now let's get back then to see that the Brahma Viharas are actually built right into the um, uh, the Sambojana. But we're not practicing it from the perspective of the Brahma Viharas. We're practicing it from the perspective of Anapanasati, mm-hmm. uh, developing directly that pity, developing the investigation skills directly. 
And in fact, it's, a, it's actually a good analogy or a good way to see that right noble view is in fact compassion. You can see the other person's point of view. But not just right view in the sense that we see their suffering and therefore we go suffer with them. The noble part of right noble view is that we can see what the problems are in the world, but we don't have to jump into their bog. Yeah, we don't have to jump into their bog. And then the. And then we can also like through our joy, like help. Exactly. Spread some of. Mm -hmm. you know, the qualities that we built up. All right, so now let's cover the rest of the uh, uh, Sambojana. The next item on the list, number five, is guess what? Um, it's the fourth item on the list of the Brahma Baharas. Number five on the list. What is it? Upeka. Upeka? Upeka. Only now it's unremitting Upeka not spotty upeka or undeveloped upeka now the uh, there's a problem with the way that this word is translated so that people don't quite understand what it means uh but in fact this is one of the ways that is translated is equanimity i never heard of equanimity before i have been through universities i've been in graduate schools I have done all kinds of stuff with language and read all kinds of things, and I never heard the word um, uh, equanimity until get into a Vipassana meditation retreat and hear about upeka, and they translate upeka as equanimity. Have you ever heard of the word equanimity anywhere? Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell. I can't even remember if it's just for meditation stuff or not, though. I don't know anymore. Except for meditation and uh, and whatnot, you never hear the word equanimity. If that's yeah. the case, then it's not a really good word to use because no, it's not part of people's vocabulary. We have to. Every individual now has to make up their own definition of what the word means. Mm-hmm. But we can get also from that uh, the word equal out of it. We can we can actually become confused. A better way to use the word is balance. balance except okay. that, uh, except that when we think of balance, we don't think of things as balanced statically. We think things are balanced dynamically. An example of that is two kids on a t- on a cedar totter. Okay, mm-hmm. if it's completely out of balance, because both kids are sitting on one end of the teeter totter, is not going to go anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you put the equal weighted kid on this end of the thing, they can, in fact, sit in, uh, and, and become equal. You can equalize that teeter totter. Right. Mm-hmm. What's the fun in that? The whole point of the teeter totter is because it's balanced on both sides. You can go up and down and up and down and up and down and have a great joy and celebration in your life because you've got the thing. Uh, and it's not unhinged. Everything is in balance. Yeah, so it's not like a uh, holding things the same. Like when I think of equanimity, it, it sounds like stasis or like glued things together. Right. We get out our soldering gun or our welder and we try to weld things into place so that they don't move. It's more like surfing or something. 
for like this is a much more like surfing and in fact the normal definition that i give it i use the analogy of a, a large fishing boat a huge mm -hmm. one not a not a huge ship but a big big one uh boat um and that the quality of the boat is that when it's at sea it's rough it's always rough even when the sea is not too rough still a fishing boat is all over the place out out at sea so the captain of this ship captain of this boat he knows that boat well he's been on that boat many many times and so for him to get from one end of the boat to the other uh, is a skill that he's developed so that he's got no trouble he's got what they call sea legs mm -hmm. if you were in the navy you know what sea legs are because even the big 10 cans and they've put every uh, junior soldier or sailor uh, uh, in the U.S. Navy, they'll put him on a tin can or some small boat so that he can develop his sea legs. Yeah. Okay. Now, you can imagine that that, uh, um, uh, th that captain of that boat brings a new employee on or a visitor who has no sea legs. When he brings him on board that ship that boat is in port and it's not moving much. It's like dry land. Mm -hmm. But when it goes out to sea, now the boat is going like this all over the place and the captain's got his sea legs. And so it doesn't matter. He can just go from one end of the boat down to the other end of the boat and he's doing it easy peasy and there's nothing. To where the landlubber, the newbie, He's on that boat and he wants to go from the bow to the stern and he's going to have several events along the way. Yeah. He's going to have several encounters, several experiences, several events happen. He may heave over the side. He may go over the side. He may crash into the wall. He may fall down. All kinds of things because he doesn't have his sea legs yet. That's exactly the way that all of us live our lives. We live our lives as if we were land lovers expecting everything to be flat. <laughs> and life is a turbulence like this, and we expect it to be uh, flat, and it ain't flat. And so we're always constantly disappointed. But when we have our sea legs, and it doesn't matter that, the, that the, our surface is not flat, that it's not stable. We can handle it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this like when you meditate and you expect things to be calm, it's not going to go as well as just being like, yeah, like, I know it's going to be rocky, but like, I have my sea legs, or <laughs> like, I can handle it, like. I can handle it, right, I'm, the, I'm, I'm celebrating here. <laughs> Dang, that's that. a good distinction, yeah, because I definitely, yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's definitely like a, a sea leg sort of situation, or like, um, dynamic, it's like dynamic, it's never going to be dynamic. Like, Right. It's like a teeter-totter. The world is a teeter-totter. Ain't that fun? Yeah. Most people, when you say the world is a teeter-totter, they say, oh, no, I want it to be stable. Yeah. No, it's fun when it's not stable. That's the whole point of it. And nothing's going to be stable anyway. That's the whole point of a Nietzsche is nothing is stable. Mm -hmm. Everything is in constant motion. Everything is changing. Yeah. So, Dang, I'll have to quit using equanimity.
That makes a, that makes a lot of sense. So the next item we got in five now, and let's cover the last two. The last two are. Um, I know one of them uh, is. Uh, right speech, right action, or right livelihood. No, it's not part of the path. We've surpassed oh. the path now. These are these are the outcomes. This is. Oh. Uh, uh, let us just say that I've forgotten one right now, and we'll go to the end game. Yeah. Maybe it'll uh, it'll come back. The end game is um, uh, unremitting samati. Unremitting samadhi, which is exactly now the same thing on the Eightfold Path as to develop right noble sati, a skill to be developed along with the path. Now, what do we mean by word samadhi here? Um, this is another word that translation has a problem. It's been translated into the word concentration. Mm-hmm. But it is actually not the same thing as concentration. There's some differences. The example that I use for concentration is frozen concentrated orange juice. Mm-hmm. You know that. You've seen it. Yeah, it's like we're gathering the qualities. Okay, or, right. Or like well, we're basically, know what right con- what what uh, concentrated orange juice is is concentrated means that it's taken something out that's not necessary for shipment, and that's the water. Mm-hmm. They take the water out. Concentrated milk. They take the water out and leave all of the other milk products in the concentration, all the way down to milk powder, or all the way down to uh, tang, which is uh, powdered orange juice. Okay, but you do not eat um, milk powder. You do not eat tang. You do not even eat frozen concentrated orange juice. What do you do with frozen concentrated orange juice before you drink it? Rehydrate it. Well, it's already been dehydrated. Oh, you rehydrate it. Oh, sorry, add water. Yeah, add water. You add water to it, okay? And when you add water to it, now is actually real orange juice, right? More or less, okay? In that respect, because now it's got a missing ingredient, now the orange juice is samati. Before, it had a missing ingredient, and it was concentrated. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what happens with students in meditation. They think that they're trying to concentrate the mind, by throwing things out, and here what we're doing is we're gathering the factors together. Yeah, we're... Okay, and what are the factors of a right, noble, uh, a concentrated mind, or not concentrated, but a right, noble mind in samadhi would be a unified mind, or a collected mind, where we have everything collected together. What do we have collected together? Guess what? We have unremitting mindfulness. We have unremitting investigation. We have unremitting joy or uh, celebration or pity. We have unremitting uh, sea legs or collectedness together. We have unremitting effort or energy as number three. And that gives us the five. 
Okay, so that leaves us then with unremitting sea legs and unremitting, um, I forgot what number six was, but number seven is, um, I guess everybody will go look to see uh, what number six was. <laughs> yeah, I'll go look that up. I wish I could help. <laughs> Sorry, old minds slip away easily. <laughs> but at least I know that I've forgotten uh, it. But I, it's just on the tip of my tongue, but I forget it. So anyway, these are the Brahma Viharas, and when we collect these things together, then we have that collection or that unification of mind. This is the quality that um, cannot be developed directly through a development of um, the Brahma-Viharas or practicing uh, metta, uh, but it can be developed through the practice of the Eightfold and Noble Path and through uh, using that with Anapanasati. Mm -hmm. And so these are the factors that we bring together, and then the natural outcome is going to be how do we deal with the world? Once we have the mind organized, once we have the mind uh, collected together, once we have unremitting celebration and unremitting effort or energy and unremitting investigation, how are we going to deal with the world? Completely differently. Mm -hmm. We're going to actually deal with the world by giving the world our celebration. And when the world tries to give us something, we're going to be really opaque about it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to help others to become really balanced and even keeled. That's, in fact, another way of talking about it. That's an actual word from sailors right there. Even keel. Do you know what the word even keel means? Balanced. Right. Exactly. You know what the keel is? No, <laughs> I don't know. You've, you've heard of keel hauling. Yeah, I've heard of it. I don't know what a keel is, though. Well, what they do is they put a rope around the ship, and then they got then they throw the guy in, and they've got his hands tied uh, with one rope and his feet tied with the other, and they walk that rope all the under the... Uh, and so they haul him past the keel. The keel mm. is the ridge, the center pole, the bottommost part of the boat. Oh, okay. And so an even keel means that oh. things are easy to... Yeah, like whenever the waves hit, it's like not going to, or it's not like sagging to one side or right. anything. It's just balanced. An even keel normally means within 20 degrees. It goes oh, okay. like this. That's an even keel. This is not an even keel. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, this is how we practice with the mind. And if we practice with this, uh, with the um developing the skills of the Brahma, excuse me, of the Sambhojana, then the Brahma Viharas is the natural way that we deal with the world. Mm -hmm. If we're in complete celebration, then we want everybody to feel like a winner, meditation or a metta. We want everyone, uh, uh, we want to be able to see everyone's sorrow without joining their pity party, but rather to be able to point out to them what's going on, to help them actually out of it, to have some mudita, which means to share our celebration. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like you'd be giving back to the world. I mean, it's, yeah, that's what it seems like you kind give, of the focus. Yeah, of you it's give like, it back. You give them a better gift than they gave you. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. You want better them. You win this one too. Yeah. And but so, we do that. We can't do that by like practicing those things because they're embedded in like the culmination of like the eightfold path mm -hmm. or the 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 roots of the eightfold path. So I forget the phrases that you're using, but like the. Sorry, a the, really good example of this in that case is, is that. Um, if you want to learn to play the pipe organ. You must first start with a clabber or a piano. You're not going to learn to play the pipe organ. Because yeah. the church is not going to let There's you play. You're, a, you're an imbecile. <laughs> you know, you don't know what you're doing. We're not going to let you play with our pipe organ. Yeah. Not, not a big cathedral's pipe organ. But if you can play the piano very well, now you'll get a chance to play the pipe organ. So this is um, uh, in one case is that you practice one musical instrument. And when you get fairly good at it, then you can play um, another musical instrument that you don't normally have access to. Yeah. For instance, all you need is a set of drumsticks like these. You can do that on a table. Mm -hmm. You do not need an expensive timpani or kettle drum. Those things cost thousands of dollars. Yeah, and you can learn to play a timpani without a timpani. Sure. So we we learn we learn how to like we learn the Brahma Viharas by practicing Anapanasati. <laughs> what developer and do you develop Sambhujana or is Sambhujana this? The Sambhujana is the fulfillment of the actual Eightfold Noble Path that okay. we are actually practicing. Gotcha. And so the it's the, the fulfillment, fulfillment of the Eightfold Path. Right. It, they're not would, skills. Yeah. They're no longer skills to be developed. They are skills fully developed. And like then once you're developed, between you, got the, the, you can express Brahma Viharas, but not the other way around. You can't use them to get. Yeah. Right. You cannot yet use the Brahma Viharas to get to um, uh, Sama Samati. Hmm. But you can use Sama Samati to get to Brahma Viharas. Hmm. Well, it saved me a lot of time because <laughs> that was definitely the route I was going down. Well, I would, you know, this is something that needs to be pointed out for people because there's a lot of people. You see, this is the point uh, when people hear about because of Christian backgrounds and other things like this, we see that in Christianity that the teachings of Jesus to love one another, to visit the sick, uh, to uh, uh, provide for the poor, uh, uh, to 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 do these things to the least of these, my brothers, they do it also unto me. That kind of ad attitude, Christians don't live up to that. Mm -hmm. They don't have the skill to practice. That's in fact meta. That's in fact the Brahma Viharas is how do we treat other people? Yeah, or like you'll have people emulate it, but not really have it in their heart, at least. Exactly. It that it's uh, it's still propaganda for them. Mm -hmm. And some people probably get there, like they, it soaks in. 
um, and they're able to like understand it. But when they do, send them to me. I'll slap them to see oh, if it's true or not. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not true. I, I just figured some people have been able to like accidentally fall on like how to do these things. But. So this is the way uh, that many people, uh, because of our uh, our culture, that meta practice sounds delicious. It's the right way to do it. Oh, yeah. Why should I spend all of that time doing all of that investigation when I can just be, you know, spread meta everywhere? Yeah, the there's nothing is, offensive about it. Like, it's very, like, blatantly good. Not, it's blatantly good. It's not controversial at all. The Brahma Viharas mm -hmm. are, are blatantly high quality. Yeah. They're it's blatant. easy to point to and say, that's the way I want to be. But right, it, exactly in itself, there's so. not a path. There's no way it, to... But it, in itself, is not a path. It's yeah, the result yeah. of a path. It's like the pinnacle or mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, the, the top point of a mountain. Mm -hmm. You just can't say, well, I like the top point of the mountain. There I am. No, you've got to climb the mountain. You've got to do the Anapanasati. You've got to do the cleaning out. You've got to do the uh, uh, right investigation and the right act, uh, effort to get the mind cleaned out. You have to develop that, that quality of celebration, that quality of uh, uh, right attitude. So these are the skills that are to be developed, which is actually then the things, the very transportation that will take you to the top of that mountain. Yeah, it sounds like a good thing to know and like be aware of, but it doesn't sound like something that directly, well, like if I looked at my practice, like I wouldn't want to say like, are the Brahma Viharas like present in my life? Because it's like kind of missed, like you might as well just say like, are the like Sambhujanas like present in my life? Because it's more specific and more like, Most, I guess, actionable. But that's actually, no, you can go uh, with that in the sense of investigation. You can actually ask yourself those questions. Oh, that's okay. Part so of the, that's part of the investigation. Hey, how's my method today? So, oh, so it's okay to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So it's not yeah, bad. Yeah, my be compassion. Bad to be like, oh, how's today? my method? Be like, oh, I guess I'm not like enlightened yet. So. <laughs> right. How? But a better question is going to be, how's my celebration? Yeah, those are more like if you get all the other like if you get all the sambojana or like the, if you can look at all the different aspects of that, then like. You would necessarily be capturing meta because it's like a subset or like a maybe not a subset That's but it's exactly like a right yes you could say that um i think they're called fabergé the uh russian highly painted wooden objects that look like uh, eggs on the outside or dolls and that you open one and there's a smaller doll inside and you open that one and there's a smaller doll inside and you open that one and there's a smaller doll inside. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, you can think of then that the Brahma Viharas are the inside doll. Mm -hmm. But you've got to open all of those other dolls first. You've got to open this investigation. You've got to open this uh, um, um, right effort. You've got to open this uh, uh, um, right attitude. And once you have those, now you can get down to uh, that inner quality. 
it does sound useful as a reminder, like in your interactions with other people, like are these qualities present? Because then it could serve as like almost as a reminder to wake up. Mm -hmm. um, yes, propaganda. Yeah. Wakey, wakey. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, oh, well, like, you know, I'm not being very compassionate right now. I should wake up. Like, that's a good, good cue. Because I guess it's like more outwardly fo focused. Like, you know, as I'm like walking through the world, it's maybe a little more apparent than like having to drill and like, ooh, like, is my investigation right? Like, that may be difficult to do in like certain situations. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is to remember to do this. Mm -hmm. That's why sati comes first. That's why unremitting sati is the first item on the Brahma, on the uh, um, the list of the sambo jhana. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's finish this off. And I never awesome. did remember what it was. Number six. I guess we'll both go look it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll look up that sutta and I'll tell you which one so that you can review it yourself. Awesome. Oh, uh, are there any watts on the West Coast that uh, you recommend? West Coast of the United States? Where are you? What state uh, are you Seattle, in? Seattle. Or I'm in the Seattle area. Oh, yes. Two, in fact. One of the best in the, in the world is Wat Atamayata Rama, which is in Seattle. And the other one is where uh, Eric is staying now. Uh, we got him in there about five months ago, and he's uh, delightful. What? Uh, Atom is kind of closed down because of Corona. Yeah, but, I figured um, I probably couldn't visit until after Corona just for like the safety. No, they just don't want you inside the building. Oh, that makes sense. Like go hang out outside. Yeah, hang out outside. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, the head abbot there is uh, Achan Reet. And Achan Reet. Uh, has spent quite a lot of time with Eric and others uh, just sitting on the porch. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to. I tried looking up Watts, but I just didn't know. Like, I mean, there's a handful. I don't know. It's like I, I hadn't heard of the ones that you mentioned. Like, I forget. I think I found one in like Oregon or California. Uh -huh. um, I guess well, maybe the more popular we, ones. We, we've got a secret way of finding these things. I've got a really close contact, a good friend, uh, Robert, who um, knows several of the monks in the United States. And so we can call them and find out who is who. Well, the awesome. other one that you could, uh, that I invite you to go to is uh, Wat Thai Washington. You can just Google Wat Thai Washington and get the information about it. Um, and also, um, Eric, you can uh, Skype with Eric because uh, Eric is um, at uh, what uh, Ty Washington now, uh, and also Noah has been there. Oh, okay. And so I, I you don't can know talk. This, but... You don't know Noah. No, I don't think so. Do I? Or should I okay. know Noah? Well, he's an old, old, old student and and uh, good close friend also. So, awesome. um, yeah, we can open all of these doors for you. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Would you mind? I didn't know you were in Seattle. Do you yeah. know about spuds? Yeah, I tried. I haven't been able to. You should cut this out of the of the recording. 
But yeah, I mean, I attended one of their meetings, but. Uh, All right, well, why don't we do that? Let's go ahead and finish this call and then we can talk a little bit. I mean, finish the recording and then we'll uh, talk about what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So hang on a second and I'll finish the recording. Ta-ta for now, everyone.